Well, hello everybody and welcome back. What a summer it has been. This is our daily devotional for September the 4th, 2023. And I hope that all of you are doing very well indeed. As I think about the summer, I don't know about you, but wow, we, what a quick summer it was. I mean, it was here and gone in a flash. But I'm happy to be back with you, and I'm happy to have this time with you. Lots of new things are cranking up at um, at Old Providence. For instance, Wednesday night, we will start back with our prayer meeting and Bible study, in which we will have an in-depth study of the book of Hebrews. We're going to start... Well, actually, we're not even going to get to verse 1 on Wednesday night. We're going to do introductory stuff so that we have a full understanding of it. But I'm excited about that. That's at 645 on Wednesday night. Also, on September 17th, we have a treat. It's homecoming and also the start of special services. I'll have more for you on that as we get closer to it. But if you are in the area, we would love to have you. Just a reminder, these daily devotionals are part of the ministry at Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, and I'm so happy that our folks are here with us, but I know there's whole lots of folks that tune in that are not familiar with us, that have never worshipped with us, and that is A-OK, but if you're in the area and you would like to worship with us, then please accept this as a personal invitation. We would absolutely love to have you. Now, all of those things being said, Thank you for being here. Um, really, y'all don't know how much you have ministered to me, how much you have encouraged me through your faithfulness and being a part of these daily devotionals. So let's dig right in. Um, if you recall, where we left off was the book of Acts, I believe, in chapter 10, but that's not where we're going today. Instead, as we're cranking up, I know that the year starts in January, I get that, but my mind is still trained as as a student for so long and then as a teacher, right? My mind is trained on the year really starting in the fall. And so as we're starting this new session, we'll call it that because we took our summer off. As we're starting our new session, we are going to pick up with Acts soon. But before we do that, I want to talk about something really important. I want to make sure that I'm not assuming anything about your own personal study. I want to talk about how to read the Bible. Right? We did this very, very early on in the daily devotionals. This was actually in the 10 days to flatten the curve. Um, but instead, what I'd like us to start with this session, this fall, um, this this new start, is how to actually read and study God's Word. This is a very important thing. If you were to look in your Bibles in 2 Timothy chapter 2, you know, Timothy and 2 Timothy, first and second, is Paul the Apostle writing to, lack of a better term, his protege, Timothy, right? And he tells Timothy all these wonderful things. And by extension, he teaches us so much wonderful theology about how the church should run, about what we should do, about our relationship with the Lord. But Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. He says, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. Verse 14, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best. And this is what's key here. 
Why are we looking at how to study God's word, how to read God's word? Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, y'all, what Paul is doing there with Timothy is he's instructing Timothy as a pastor, right? And it is very true. There's lots of places where pastors receive special warnings about how they preach and teach God's word. So without a doubt, that's what's going on there with Paul and Timothy. However, that's not all that's going on. A principle is laid forth that all of us, whether you're a preacher or not, it doesn't matter. A principle is laid forth about properly handling God's word, about properly reading and understanding what is contained in God's word. You know, I can't tell you the amount of times that, that I've had conversations with people and, and, and I found that something that's going on out there that's very widespread is that in a lot of cases, people don't know how to read God's word. They really don't. And, and admittedly, you know, this one is a, is a thin line, right? I love this, this translation, this, this version of it. But when you get this big old bulky thing, right? You know, this, this thing that, that you could use as a bludgeoning device, it can be really intimidating, especially when you get to some literary parts that are very different than others. For instance, there are some parts of the Bible that are much easier to read than other parts of the Bible. Now, take, for instance, the book of Numbers compared to the gospel according to John, right? First and second Timothy as opposed to Jeremiah and Lamentations. And don't even get me started on Daniel and Revelation and, and, and Ezekiel and some of these portions of God's word that you have to plumb the depths of scripture to find the good stones. It's like a mining reference, right? You know, if you're going to find the good stuff, you got to dig. And there are some parts of God's word that digging has to be done. But if you don't understand how to read God's word, my goodness, you're not going to get very far. So that's what we're going to talk about today and for the next couple of days as we get started with this new session. But let me pray for us before we get any further. Our God and our Father, I thank you so much for this time that you've given me, that you've given us to come together. I pray that even now you would bless it right here at the start of this new session, this new year for us coming together. Help us to understand. Be with me as, as I lead us in this time that it's not a sermon, it's, it's, it's a devotional, but this time that I believe can be of great benefit. I know it's of great benefit to me. So please guide me in this. I pray that you would preserve everyone. Give us that desire to know you, to behold you in your glory. And let us realize, as it is with your voice, if we want to hear your voice, we need to read your word. As it is with your glory, if we want to see you, we will see you in your word. It is the sword of the Spirit that is the word of God. It is your word that binds us, your word that the Spirit uses to convict and direct us. So please, guide us in these times. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we've talked about Timothy, and that's just one rationale, right? There are so many places in God's word that tell us why it's important to know how to read God's word. By the way, there's so many places in God's word that tell us why it's so important to have God's word in our heart, right? 
I have hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we could go on and on and on. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. There are so many places where God's word is bolstered in itself, where, where we're told that we are to study and know and read God's word. And one of those reasons also is that it's when we're studying and reading God's word that we commune with God. Again, if you want to hear God's voice, open up the Bible and read it, okay? But how do you do it? How do you study the Bible? How do you read the Bible? Let's start at the start here, okay? And this may seem something like something that's perfunctory. I don't think it is at all, especially given the modern world and, and all the different things are going on. How do you read God's word? How do you study the Bible? First things first, get yourself a good translation. Get yourself a good Bible that you can read. And that always begins with the translation that you use. Now, I'm going to use some terms here. I'm going to try to describe them as best as I can. But realize that there's a balance here with God's word, right? And I should have brought my original text. Yet what we have is the original text, right? The, uh, the, the New Testament that was written in Greek, and there's some Aramaic, and the Old Testament, right, that was written in Hebrew. We have those faithful versions that have been preserved over the years. But in case you didn't know, English is a very different language from Greek and from Hebrew, okay? If you did a literal, literal translation, realize, take for instance in the Old Testament, right? There are passages that, that, any particular verse may start with the verb, and then it gives you the subject, and then it gives you the predicate, and it, it would be very, very hard to read because we just don't talk that way. You know, in the English language, we don't even have masculine and feminine like they do in, in, in French and Spanish and in other languages, okay? The English language can be very, very vague. I think I've, I've done this with you before. Here, I'll, I'll give you an example of how vague the English language can be here. Hold on. And you'll have to forgive my terrible handwriting. And it just occurred to me, this is going to come across backwards to you, I think, because I'm recording backwards. But but the word is P-O-L-I-S-H. What is that word? P-O-L-I-S-H. Well, it could be lots of things in the English language. It could be polish, as in the stuff that you go buy to use on your shoes. That's polish. Or it could be polish the verb, as in what you do with that stuff that you go and buy to polish your shoes. You polish with polish. Or it could also be Polish, referring to people from Poland, right? Or, or the Polish language. And in the English language, you read that word, you got to figure out which one it is, and you got to figure that out by the context, right? Now, I'm not saying that, that other languages are that much more specific. You can be vague with other things. But with like the Old Testament Hebrew and the New Testament Greek, y'all, remember a lot of these things were written on animal skins. Real estate is important. So they had to get a lot of bang for their buck. They use the economy of words, and they're very specific. The problem is, is that the English language is simply not written like the Hebrew or the Greek. And so we have translations, right? But there is a challenge when it comes to translation. The key to finding yourself a good Bible that you can read is finding a translation that is faithful to the original languages, but that you can also read. 
And y'all, that can be a challenge. Let's talk about some things to avoid when choosing a Bible translation. First off, avoid paraphrases. Okay. When you look at modern Bibles, you have translations and you have paraphrases. A translation takes the Greek and the Hebrew and tries its best to faithfully translate what's written therein. A paraphrase takes English translations and does exactly that. It's a paraphrase of what is contained in God's Word. An example of this would be the message, right? The message, which is, some people say it's a translation. It's not a translation. It is a paraphrase of God's Word. For devotions, from time to time, it's okay to read these, but realize they are not a translation of God's Word. They are a paraphrase. It is some human summarizing what they think that the Bible says, and sadly, sometimes what they think the Bible means, okay? That's where we get into some dangerous territory, y'all. It's dangerous territory. That's why preachers are given so many warnings. That's why church in the United States is such a disaster. Because, look, if you start with that premise of, all right, we're just going to focus on what we believe the Bible teaches, you and I might have drastically different opinions on what the Bible teaches. And as a result, I could delete whole swaths of the Scripture based on what I think it teaches. By the way, that's what's going on out there. If you're in one of those churches and you have one of those pastors, I'm sorry to inform you, you don't have a church and you don't have a pastor. You got a building. They look like a church. But if you got a pastor that's out there just paraphrasing God's word and he's throwing out what he doesn't think God's word teaches anymore and that sort of thing, get yourself out of there. And when it comes to finding a Bible that you can read, don't buy those translations. Sometimes they're okay to read. They put an interesting twist on things, but they are not faithful translations. Also, something else to avoid when it comes to finding a translation. Avoid non-gender-specific translations where, where genders are as neutral as possible. Yes, admittedly, there are lots of times in God's Word where terms like mankind are used. And you know that that applies to all people everywhere, okay, men and women alike. If that term mankind offends you... I, 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 Look, realize that language is fluid, and the people who translated it that way, they didn't set out to be offensive, okay? It doesn't mean that the translation is bad if it if it uses terms like that. On the contrary, translations that get rid of gender, y'all, that's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea because there are portions of God's Word that are specific to the sexes. There are parts of God's word that apply to different uh, to women differently than apply to men, and vice versa. There are portions to God's word that apply differently to men than they do to women. First and Second Timothy contains loads of examples about that. Okay, um, and and this is not about being sexist. It's not about any of that. It's about faithfully translating what God's word actually says. So, avoid paraphrase editions that don't really translate God's Word like the message and modern translations that warp Scripture, because that's what's really going on here. When the Scriptures are translated to, to remove genders and, and, and promote inclusivity and all that kind of stuff, y'all, it's just warping God's Word. And there's different examples of that. Some of the modern translations, like the, the 2017 New International Version, it was referred to as the revised New International Version. Avoid it. 
It's a disaster. Okay. The new international version that's out there now is better, but I don't use it. And the reason I say the one out there now is because the, the 1984 NIV, which I'll talk about in a second, that's, that's removed everywhere online. You can't find it online anymore. They're printing less and less copies of it. And they're, they're instead printing the newer new international version, which I'm not a fan on, a fan of. Okay. So avoid those politically charged translations. Now, um, on the other, another thing to warn you about, avoid translations also that are so literal that they're difficult to read. Look, one of my favorite translations, especially for the Old Testament, is the 1903, I believe it is, American Standard Version. I love the New American Standard Bible, okay? They are wonderful, faithful translations, but they're really hard to read. They're so faithful, they're so literal, that they follow as much of the sentence structure as possible, and as a result, they just do not flow well. And at the end of the day, you want a Bible translation that you can read and enjoy. The concepts presented in God's Word are something that we ought to be wrestling with, not the language used to convey them. You you understand there? Okay. We don't need some badge of honor to say, well, I read the most difficult. Read something that you can understand. And that brings me, you know, I meant to close my office door back here, but, but that brings me to something that, that, that is controversial. Brings me to the King James Version. Y'all understand this. If you tuned in a few weeks ago, I actually preached on the 23rd Psalm and I used the King James Version on Sunday morning. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody before the service that, that some pastors and I have said before that it's exegetical malpractice to preach from any other translation when preaching through the Psalms, especially Psalms like Psalm 23. Is it wonderful? Yes. It is excellent for certain portions of God's Word. But there's a reason why I only use the King James Version for some things and not at all for others. Look, y'all, let's be real, and I'm not trying to be controversial, I'm really not, but let's be real about something. The King James Version uses language that is outdated, words, you know, the, the terms that we don't use anymore, and let's be blunt, it is hard to read. People don't talk that way anymore. People don't, don't use those words anymore, and I know, I know there are some people who say, well, I just can't imagine reading any other translation. Well, that's fine if you understand it, but if you don't, find yourself a translation that is faithful, but that you can also read, okay? Um, now, what translations would fall into this category, okay? And you're like, okay, are you endorsing these? Well, yeah, I am, all right? I'm, I'm going to tell you, number one on my list, and I, I just had a copy of it, in fact, Interestingly enough, you probably can't read this, but when I first got started preaching in our denomination, you become a student of theology, okay? Uh, And this is presented to Patrick Malfres, excuse me, on the occasion of his being received under the care of Second Presbytery, Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church as a student of theology, Von Clark and Assembly Grounds, June 8, 2004, signed by Calvin Draffin stated clerk of Second Presbytery himself. I love this Bible. It is, it's worn out, and there are pages that threaten to come out. 
But I love it, y'all. I love it because it's a thin line. It's very easy to take on visitation and that sort of thing with me to the hospital and so forth. But I love it just because of, of the way that it's printed. But I love the 1984 NIV, even more importantly. Okay. The 1984 New International Version, and, and, and it says it right there. You know, if you're wondering what translation you have, all you have to do is flip a few pages into it and you will find out usually this page, right? It's right before the different books of the Bible. If you look at the top, it will tell you which one. Copyright 7374, 1984, International Bible Society. Okay. That's the 1984 version of the New International Version. To me, it is the best mix of literal translation, but also readability. In other words, you can actually understand it. No, it's 1984, but it uses language like we use language, and it is a faithful translation. That's my number one version. Now, you might say, well, wait a second. You didn't use that on Sunday morning, and you'd be right. The reason I don't is because they've removed 1984 NIV from everything online. They're printing less and less versions of it. It's harder and harder to find. And plus, we have a good contingent of folks that when they get their Bible out, it's on this thing right here, right? It's on their phone. And you can't find the 1984 NIV there. Instead, what they have is, is, or what we use is number two on my list. And that is the Christian Standard Bible. And that's just a more recent update of the Holman Bible. That is the translation I use on Sunday mornings. I don't like it as much as the 1984 NIV, but it is a faithful translation. Number three the English Standard Version. The ESV falls on the scale of literal translations on the very faithful side. In other words, it's a literal translation. But while it's a very good one, and some people love it, and that's great if you do. To me, I just don't like the structure of its writing. I don't think it flows very well, so I don't use it as much. The same is true for the New King James Version, and again, the New American Standard Version, right? Or the New American Standard Bible. The New King James is easier to read than, than the New American Standard. It's certainly easier to read than the King James Version, but it doesn't mean it's easy to read overall, such as the case with the NASB. Um, but in terms of accuracy, y'all, if you want the most accurate translation, in my opinion, it's the New American Standard Bible, but it's not easy to read. Now, again, my number one choice and what I use for our devotionals, what I'll be using on mornings with you is the 1984 NIV. Number two choice is the Christian Standard Bible, um, which I typically use on Sunday mornings. Now, um, there are other things to talk about with translations, but I've been going for 22, almost 23 minutes. We're going to stop here, and tomorrow we're going to talk about different things with translations, like study Bibles and so forth. But let me encourage you, do not forget what we started from 2 Timothy chapter 2 with. It is the call to read. It is the call to be people of God's word. And we're reading God's word on a regular basis where I'll use the King James translation of 2 Timothy 2, right? Study to show thyself approved. To study, in order to study to show thyself approved, you need to get a book that you can understand. So find yourself a good translation. Let's pray.
Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I thank you for everybody here. Please work in our hearts and our minds. Let us commit to being people of your word. And I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning as we continue to study how to read God's word. And then before you know it, we'll be back in the book of Acts and pick up where we left off. But again, thank you all so much for being here with me.